whole bunch of new music from Kurgan that will be de debuting here, I think, uh, on this particular show. Let's see, how many did he send me? I have 65 tracks. So we could potentially do 65 new Kurgan tracks in a row. I may have to mix around with my sound cue a little bit, but I think uh, we'll probably do that because I think that's fun. You did a great job on these tracks, and I love that I get uh, I love that I get to play this music, and I don't have to worry about copyrights, and it's awesome, and it's like the perfect sort of talk show level stuff. Uh, so we got Wild Bill, NH Girl, and Black Cats here hanging out. Welcome all. Good to see you um, tonight. We have a variety of things, but since I already started talking about food, and since I'm hungry, and uh, since I have a tasty beverage to wash this stuff down with, I'm going to start with the thing that I talked about, uh, I think, a little bit the other day, which is Jaffa Cakes. What are Jaffa Cakes? Jaffa Cakes. Uh, so it's like this sort of slightly squishy-ish cookie. So you can see there's like a nice little cookie texture there on the back. And so you can get a nice close-up of the cookie and then a chocolate on the top. And then these have, you can see there's a raspberry jelly. Delicious. Mmm. You know, we talked about food enough on this show. And I was hungry, so I'm like, I'm eating. I'm gonna eat. Fuck on me, I'm gonna eat, eat a cookie. Why am I gonna eat a cookie? Well, raspberry jelly is great. <clears throat> Part of the reason why I decided to have a cookie is because post-workout, I am definitely feeling the sweats. I'm definitely feeling, man, did I sweat today. So I can feel I've got the potassium drag. I've got everything else. So before I get feel too much of the suffering uh, and the effects of being dehydrated, let's go ahead and hydrate with some Vita Coco. Uh, this has now been refrigerated. I put them all in the fridge. So I'm going to try one of these nice and cool. That is excellent. Absolutely excellent. Black Cat did buy one. Thank you so much, Black Cat. Um, you know, if you want reinforcement for you as a sponsor, uh, that is some potential consumer spread. I hope you enjoy that coconut water. I, I think this stuff is really good. Really, really good. Uh, and each girl fans like strawberry. I mean, strawberry is good too. I just, I, I, I like a raspberry jelly. And it's weird, because I would rather eat a strawberry, but I'd rather have raspberry jelly. But I love coconut. So let's get another taste of that. It does, I think, have an even better taste uh, once it's thoroughly refrigerated. And what I mean by that is there's a little bit less of what I would call almost a corn taste and a little bit more of just the straight, flat uh, coconut. So that's pretty nice. That's a, that's a good drink. 
Thank you so much again, Vita Coco, uh, for sending this in. I can't thank their PR marketing person enough uh, for sending this on in. But this is uh, this is delicious stuff, and uh, yeah, I notice you know a lot of times uh, after working out my forearms and my hands get tired, and uh, this helps keep that cramping away. You wonder how it would taste frozen. I have such a good idea you're going to flip. Let's see. Bill, do you th Bill, can you guess what I'm going to do <coughs> now that NH Girl has brought that up? Actually, can any of you guess what I'm going to do now that you've brought that up? Because I have a fantastic idea now that must be tried, and as soon as this show is over, I'm going to go set that up for tomorrow's broadcast. Yep. Maybe not a rum and cocoa Vita popsicle, but I'm going to make cocoa Vita or Vita cocoa ice cubes. I'm going to make uh, Vita cocoa ice cubes, and then I'm just going to make a rum drink. <coughs> Pardon me, a rum drink. And then I'm going to chill it with the, uh, with the coconut ice cubes. Um, that ought to be an interesting experiment. I bet you it will be delicious. Uh, so that will be tomorrow's nightcap drink. It should be quite tasty. But tonight, along with the coconut that we have going here, I also have just a little bit more of that old wild turkey, that old wild turkey bourbon. So wild turkey, hats off to you as well. I hope you're all doing well. There's a lot of people who have a lot of stuff going on. Some of the regulars that normally stop in have reached out to me and said that they have have busy weeks. They have stuff going on this week. They may not be here. Don't take it personal, whatever. I said, hey, it's all right. If you can't make it, you can't make it. Life comes first, obviously. Plus, you can watch these after the fact. So while I always love when you guys are here live, hey, if you want, follow up. Watch them afterwards. Um, whether it's the podcast or on the video on demand. But today, today we have another topic, and this came about, um, oh, like a freeze, like a, like a cocoa freeze. I do have my bullet blender. I could make it like a slush. I could freeze that into the cubes and then, uh, like use the little bullet blender and make like a slushy frozen slush slush. Oh, that might be an even better idea. Is that like a daiquiri? It's like a coconut rum. Like, what's in a daiquiri? I don't ever drink daiquiri, so I forget what's in them. Anyways, why not both? Fucking A. <laughs> there he is. Wild Bill comes in in the clutch. Why not? There's no reason. There's no reason why not. Um, but today we're going to be... Uh, doing something of sharing a story that's not my story. It's a, a thing from history. Would you guys all like to see my dumb face? Or shall I scroll by the article so that you can read it? Actually, let's do that because that way then you can see some of the pictures and stuff that are there uh, when I start reading through it. We'll start that closer to halfway into the break, uh, towards the break. Um, this came, oh, a Boston actress is here, but sleepy. So if I do a night, night voice at the end of this episode, you're going to fall asleep. 
By the way, I listened to my guided relaxation and uh, I feel like I can do better. So I'm going to do another one of those. I feel like I might have done that just with my phone on the couch. I feel like I didn't do that down here with this microphone and the pop filter and everything else correctly. So I will do another one of those. I will let you folks know in case that's your thing. We had an interesting conversation about a little bit of that today too with some ASMR folks online. You know, it. I, I realize, hey, that's not a thing for everyone, whatever. But it's an interesting field. It's an interesting phenomenon. And there isn't really any concrete known, it does this and does that, like, and it's different for everybody. So a lot of the people that are making those videos, I feel like are trying to find different things to either do and not do, whether some of the things that really bother people or some of the ones that they actually really enjoy. So, you know, reach out to some of those folks or those content creators and tell them, hey, you know, I like this part of this video. I hated this or, you know, maybe not hated it, but hey, this didn't really do anything for me, but I really enjoyed this piece and so on and so forth. I keep thinking that I have something on my camera. I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's just me. Sorry, self-conscious. Um, <clears throat> but this article that we're going to read, uh, what, what came about, how this came about, is this was on a stream, and I think we were talking to Ice Quinn at the time. I can't remember if it was Ice Quinn or Insulin. I have a feeling it was probably Ice Quinn. And um, this is some Australian history. This is really kind of crazy and weird if you've never heard this before. So I hope you find it interesting. Uh, and we'll dig into that in about another four minutes or so. I decided this week to, in a certain sense, get back on track. I slacked a little bit on some of the workout stuff and this and that and the other. Whew, so I absolutely destroyed myself today. So I am erect. But you know, I feel good. I feel good. I I have uh, some uh, an issue with some medication that I need to, to talk about. But otherwise, I feel pretty good. Um, but it's time to get smart and concentrate. Summer's rolling around, no more lazing and flopping around uh, like it did in the wintertime. It's time to <clears throat> time to get shit going and start getting stuff done. So uh, let's get on top of things. So I'm going to get top on top of that and uh, need to get some uh, yard work going. Um, I built a really neat, at least what I think is really neat, a little carrier for some things to put in the bed of my truck. Uh, and at some point when the weather gets nicer, I may take some pictures of that and, and uh, just demonstrate. Is it the most <coughs> secure thing in the world? Meaning, if somebody really wanted to steal it, could they? Yes. Is there anything that's really valuable in there? No. I mean, road flares, the metal bottle. I mean, it's mostly like emergency level supplies. But um, what is neat about it is the vessel that I used and how it has some extra utility. So I'm sharing that a little bit. You've heard me talk about having sort of an emergency kit in your vehicle, and I think this would work nice in the trunk of a car. It'd work very, very well. Um, but always have one of those, because uh, you never know what happens. Uh, keep some road flares in there, thermal, and we talked about that before, so I'm not gonna go into the whole details. I'll, I'll detail what I have in mind when uh, when we go through that. Uh, the other, uh, at a future date. So, 
that's pretty much my tale of the day. Other than that, nothing that was super mind-blowing or crazy. Um, I do have... I do have another interesting little project with some communication out in the works for it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I tell you what, let's go ahead and have the people who are listening to this as a podcast. You're going to take your break a little bit early and then we'll go straight through. So podcast folks, hold on a second and we'll be right back. Okay, let's start with the story. Um, boss and actress, unfortunately, feels like a caged rat. I get it. And I feel like if there's a way for you to get outside someday, somehow, try. Uh, weather there, 85, one day, 38, the next to me, did that here. It was, 50, it was 54 degrees and then it was 90. And now today it was 60. I'm like, God, I hope we don't have another summer of just constant 90-plus degree weather that will just, ugh. Um, so, let's get in. Oh, between the guy outside my house, collection notes and some Spanish guy's name out of my house saying he took a credit card out using my address and the emails I get asked me to activate credit cards and replied for I just about had it. That stuff like the emails, acting the credit card stuff, I don't want to say like everybody gets those, but everybody gets those. Like, I got them. You know, we got the ones, I got those ones for, was it Chime or Chive? Oh, you recently took out a loan. Click here to do, like, I know I didn't. And then I got one for some legal services thing. Oh, somebody made an account due to your legal thing. Click here to log on and verify your account. No, I didn't. Like, they they spam and send those out. And, and these other companies that you send out and fill stuff out, like, they just leak and sell your email address and your contact info to fucking anyone. Like, it's, ugh. So, let's switch to something funny. Maybe not funny, but bizarre. Bizarre, okay? And so, what is the topic? Well, the topic, or the story, is the title of today's stream. And what that is, is, let's maximize that up, the Great Emu War. Also known as the Great Emu War, was a nuisance wildlife management military operation undertaken in Australia over the later part of 1932 to address public concern over the number of emus said to be running amok in the Campion District of Western Australia. The unsuccessful attempts to curb the population of emus, a large flightless bird indigenous to Australia, employed soldiers armed with Lewis guns, leading the media to adopt the name Emu War when referring to the incident. While a number of the birds were killed, the emu population persisted and continued to cause crop destruction. So slight offshoot as we look at some of that. I see some chat messages. I'm going to move this over so I can see a little bit of this from over here. Yeah, wow, weird. Uh, yeah, it's funny if you're not an Aussie. To them, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Um, Boston actress collection notes just pissed me off because you keep calling and telling them I never lived with me. I never heard of him. I don't know why he's using Andres and their loans and credit cards taken out and opened. Boston actress, I got to call you and talk to you at some point because I have a, a story that might help uh, help you a little bit. But anyway, so these Lewis guns, to take a little offshoot, Lewis gun. The Lewis gun, or Lewis automatic machine gun, is a First World War era light machine gun, 
Designed privately in America, but not adopted, the design was finalized and mass-produced in the United Kingdom and widely used by troops of the British Empire during the war. The distinctive barrel cooling shroud and top-mounted pan magazine, the Lewis served to, end, to the end of the Korean War and was widely used as an aircraft machine gun during both world wars, almost always with the cooling shroud removed as airflow during flight offers sufficient cooling. Now, these guns, you know, when you look at them here, they do have kind of a neat appearance. You know, they have like this pancake sort of magazine on the top that rotates. Uh, given my history or whatever, like, it wasn't that these things were terrible, but they weren't, they weren't awesome. <laughs> uh, so, let's see, I want to go down to... You know, so you can see down below, you can see how it loads and how it reloads. Um, you know, it had a pan magazine that held 47 or 97 rounds. Uh, interesting point of design was it did not use a coiled recoil spring, but used a spiral spring, much like a large clock spring in a semicircular housing just in front of the trigger. Um, so, you know, it, I mean, it kind of did its job, but it, it's nothing like the modern machine guns that they have now. But the thing is, they were relatively heavy and kind of tricky in that regard to use. So, let's move back to what happened with those guns in the actual Emu War. Let me go take a poke at the chat. Yeah, they are sexy. They look really neat, right? It does kind of look like an old-fashioned egg beater, right? With that pan thing on the top, like, that looks like the cam... You know, the, the gear wheel that you would turn. Like, they do kind of look like an egg beater. So, following World War I, large numbers of discharged veterans who served in the war were given land by the Australian government to take up farming within Western Australia, often in agriculturally marginal areas. With the onset of the Great Depression in 1929... These farmers were encouraged to increase their wheat crops, with the government promising and failing to deliver assistance in the form of subsidies. In spite of the recommendations and the promised subsidies, wheat prices continued to fall, and by October 1932, matters were becoming intense, with the farmers preparing to harvest the season's crop while simultaneously threatening to refuse to deliver the wheat. The difficulties facing farmers were increased by the arrival of as many as 20,000 emus. Emus regularly migrate after the breeding season, heading to the coast from the inland regions. With the cleared land and additional water supplies being made available for livestock by the Western Australian farmers, the emus found that the cultivated lands were good habitat and they began to foray into farm territory, in particular the marginal farming land around Chandler and Welgulan. The emus consumed and spoiled the crocs as well as leaving large gaps in fences where rabbits could enter and cause further problems. Farmers relayed their concerns about the birds ravaging the crops, and a deputation of ex-soldiers was sent to meet with the Minister of Defense, Sir George Pierce. Having served in World War I, the soldier settlers were well aware of the effectiveness of machine guns, and they requested their deployment. The minister readily agreed. Although with conditions attached, the guns were to be used by military personnel, troop transport was to be financed by the Western Australian government, 
and the farmers would provide food, accommodation, and payment for the ammunition. Pierce also supported the deployment on the grounds that the birds would make good target practice. While it has also been argued that in some, uh, the government may have viewed the operational way as being seen to helping the Western Australian farmers to stave off the secession movement that was brewing. Towards that end, a cinematographer from Fox Movie Tone was enlisted. So, you got these huge birds, huge birds ravaging these crops. Uh, it's like the land that's time forgot, for sure. I mean, they're giant, like, and emus are huge. Military involvement was due to begin in October of 1932. The war was conducted under the command of Major G.P.W. Meredith of the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery, with Meredith commanding soldiers, Sergeant S. McMurray and Gunner J. O'Halloran, armed with two Lewis guns and 10,000 rounds of ammunition. The operation was delayed, however, by a period of rainfall that caused the emus to scatter over a wider area. The rain ceased by the 2nd of November 1932, whereupon the troops were deployed with orders to assist the farmers and, according to a newspaper account, to collect 100 emu skins so that the feathers could be used to make hats for light horsemen. Here's where this goes bonkers and off the rails. On, on the 2nd of November, the men traveled to Campion, where some 50 emus were sighted. As the birds were out of range of the guns, the local settlers attempted to herd the emus into an ambush, but the birds split into small groups and ran so that they were difficult to target. Nevertheless, while the first fusillade from the machine guns was ineffective due to the range, the second round of gunfire was able to kill, quote, a number of birds. Later the same day, a small flock was encountered and perhaps a dozen birds were killed. The next significant effect event was on the 4th of November. Meredith had established an ambush near a local dam, and more than a thousand emus were spotted heading towards their position. This time, the gunners waited until the birds were in close proximity before opening fire. The gun jammed after only 12 birds were killed, and the remainder scattered before any more could be shot. No more birds were sighted that day. In the days that followed, Meredith chose to move further south, where the birds were reported to be fairly tame. But there was only limited success in spite of his efforts. By the fourth day of the campaign, army observers noted that each pack seems to have its own leader now, a big, black-plumed bird which stands fully six feet high and keeps watch while his mates carry out their work of destruction and warns them of our approach. Oh shit, they're getting sentient. At one stage, Meredith even went so far as to mount one of the guns on a truck, a move that proved to be ineffective as the truck was unable to gain on the birds, and the ride was so rough that the gunner was able to fire any rounds. By the 8th of November, six days after the first engagement, 2,500 rounds of ammunition had been fired. The number of birds killed is uncertain. One account estimates that it was 50 birds, but other accounts range from 200 to 500, the latter figure being provided by the settlers. Meredith's official report noted that his men had suffered no casualties. <laughs> Summarizing the calls, ornithologist Dominic... Servanty commented, The machine gunner's dreams of point-blank fire into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics, and its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made use of the military equipment uneconomic. 
A crestfallen field force therefore withdrew from the combat area after about a month. <laughs> On the 8th of November, members in the Australian House of Representatives discussed the operation. Following the negative coverage of the events in the local media that included claims that only a few emus had died, Pierce withdrew the military personnel and the guns on 8 November. After the withdrawal, Major Meredith compared the emus to Zulus and commented on the striking maneuverability of the emus, even while badly wounded. If we had had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They're like Zulus whom even dum-dum bullets could not stop. A dum-dum bullet is basically like an old-school hollow point. Second attempt. After the withdrawal of the military, the emu attacks on crops continued. Farmers again asked for support, citing the hot weather and drought that brought emus invading farms in the thousands. James Mitchell, the premier of Western Australia, lent his strong support to renewal of the military assistance. At the same time, a report from the base commander was issued that indicated 300 emus had been killed in the initial operation. Acting on the requests in the base commander's report, by 12 November, the Minister of Defense approved a resumption of military efforts. He defended the decision in the Senate, explaining why the soldiers were necessary to combat the serious agricultural threat of the large emu population. Although the military had agreed to lend the guns to the Western Australian government and the expectation that they would provide the necessary people, Meredith was once again placed in the field due to an apparent lack of experienced machine gunners in the state. Taking to the field on 13th November, the military found a degree of success over the first two days, with approximately 40 emus killed. The third day, 15 November, proved to be far less successful, but by the 2nd of December, the soldiers were killing approximately 100 emus a week. Meredith was recalled on December 10th, and in his report, he claimed 986 kills with 9,860 rounds, at a rate of exactly 10 rounds per, uh, per confirmed kill. In addition, Meredith claimed 2,500 wounded birds had died as a result of the injuries that they had sustained. In assessing the success of the call, an article in the Coolgardie Miner on 23 August reported that although the use of the machine guns had been criticized in many quarters, the method proved effective and saved what remained of the wheat. Aftermath. Despite the problems encountered with the call, the farmers of the region once again requested military assistance in 1934, 43, and 48, only to be turned down by the government. Instead, the bounty system that had been instigated in 1923 was continued, and this proved to be effective. 57,034 bounties were claimed over a six-month period in 1934. By December of 1932, word of the EMU war had spread, reaching the United Kingdom. Some conservationists there protested the call as extermination of the rare EMU. Uh, the eminent Australian ornithologist described the war as an attempt at the mass destruction of the birds. Throughout 1930 and onward, exclusion barrier fencing became a popular means of keeping emus out of agricultural areas. In 1950, Hugh Leslie raised the issues of emus in federal parliament and urged Army Minister Josiah Francis to release a quantity of 303 ammunition from the Army for the use of farmers. The minister approved the release of 500,000 rounds of ammunition. In recent years, references to the emu war 
have been a popular internet meme. So, there you go. Um, <laughs> fucking big-ass prehistoric birds, man. Fucking emus do not fuck around. Um, Black Cat wishes she was there. Um, this is weird. Huh. Um, <clears throat> so, pretty, pretty bizarre. Uh, I don't know, like... I don't know about setting up a hospital, um, but what a mess, right? Um, <laughs> there's <laughs> emu steak. It's uh, kind of that's kind of wild. I mean, to think about that large of an operation for something that basically, in that regard, was just birds um, is pretty pretty extreme. Um, like, it's pretty wild, right? Yeah, I've heard that they're really good. That it's, you know, that it's a lean, a very lean and tasty sort of meat. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just kind of wild. Um, you know, I, I think that if you think about something that's that is serious of an agricultural threat... Now, they say that they had film, and I think Black Cat, if you go on YouTube, I think you can find uh, some footage of that, because I think they did have somebody there trying to take video. Uh, obviously, that just being a Wikipedia article, which I'll put a link to the article here in the chat. If you do want to check that out on your own, um, you can. So, that was just uh, collated information there from... Um, uh, from Wikipedia. So, um, it's very interesting to me to see, <laughs> to see historical events like that. And people will say, oh, well, um, you know, why do you, uh, you know, why, why do people need this and that and the other? It's like, well, you know, it, it's interesting if you go back in history and you look at some of the other things, you know, that used to be out there. Um, some of that is pretty, is pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't remember <clears throat> if here in the States when the last time they had anything like, you know, locust, uh, you know, like true locust infestation that has destroyed crops, um, but you know, you think about something like that and you go, man, like, you know, insects, like an insect plague, I mean, other than dousing the area with chemicals, like, what do you even, like, what do you even do against something like that? Um, you know, and obviously they've made, I'll say mistakes in the past with, for example, things like DDT where, oh, oops, as it turns out, there's some potentially nasty, <laughs> nasty side effects uh, of putting that stuff on the ground. But, um, you know, I... <clears throat> what humans did to survive, I didn't read an article today that locusts might be back this year. I mean, that's, uh, like, that's just, that's a serious problem, right? <clears throat> um, 
Like I say, I don't necessarily know 100% what you, what you necessarily do against, uh, uh, you know, something like that. I mean, you got to figure if you have a crop and that's sort of how you make your livelihood, like <clears throat> that's totally devastating, especially given some of the current uh, ec- economic climate that's out there. Like, man, you get a, you know, you get a destroyed crop or something like that. Like that's, uh, that's just fucking terrible. <clears throat> Yeah, feel like fields of grasshoppers like that. Um, So we have in chat Miss Pookie Bear, who (laughs) humans should never be forgiven. They're all garbage, including you, Um, Miss Pookie Bear. By the way, um. This is a case of where I wish I had the other mods here. Uh, if you recall a long while back of a person that we were talking about who was harassing people, that is one of them. Um, <clears throat> so uh, she's been banned. If you do see her poking around anywhere, um, be very be very careful. That's not somebody you want to interact with. They're very toxic. <clears throat> so... Um, you think there's a new venomous spider? Do you know what kind of venomous spider? Like, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty, that's pretty terrible. Um, is it, uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel like your first clue would have been when somebody just says, boring, like, Um, but anyway, uh, the, the, this particular spider, I mean, do you, do you know where that, uh, do you know where that spider is supposed to have come from? Like, is that something that came on, uh, from, from like a different country, uh, or anything like that? Um, you know, like that's pretty, uh, it can be pretty devastating too, especially if you have, you know, like insects, we've had the emerald ash borer here, for example, in Michigan, and that beetle has basically destroyed those trees. And there's almost no way to stop them because they don't really have any natural predators here. So they just ravaged all the trees uh, and just absolutely, uh, you know, fucking um, just absolutely devastated and killed so many of those trees. Really, really disappointing. Um, cause those beautiful trees and some of them, you know, were, were ancient, very old trees. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Every time I see that there's like a new insect around, especially where it's not supposed to be, I just go, Oh man, I hope that really doesn't fucking wreak havoc, you know, on either the local flora or fauna or cause others, some, some other sort of imbalance, you know, like monarch butterflies and stuff like that are really struggling. And so, Again, to tie it back to, hey, you have these emus, these huge birds that are flying around being crazy. Uh, or not flying around, I guess they're running around because they're flightless birds. But you have these emus that were running around destroying crops. But then you think about the the secondary effects, like they say in the article. You know, kicking holes and breaking the fences. And now you have rabbits and stuff uh, causing all sorts of problems. Um, 
Dr. Perry Falls. Thank you so much, man. Dr. Perry Falls comes in and gifts a tier one sub. Thank you so much, dude. Really appreciate that, man. A tier one sub to the real gaffer. Dr. Perry Falls, thank you so much for that, dude. I truly, truly appreciate it. <clears throat> well, Dr. Perry Falls, today we were talking about the emu, the great emu war in Australia, uh, and then just talked about um, insect, uh, you know, insect just infestation and, and sort of like wildlife. I hesitate to say problems. Um, oh, so you just saw emus last weekend? Uh, they're, they're huge, aren't they? They're like six feet tall. Like, those are like giant birds, aren't they? Um, oh. <laughs> uh, here's a trigger warning. If you are afraid of spiders, you might want to look away. Um, but here's a report... Terrifying new venomous spider species discovered in U.S. National Park. A new species of venomous spider has been discovered in Florida. The Pine Rockland Trapdoor Spider is related to the tarantula. It was first spotted in a forest surrounding Miami Zoo nearly 10 years ago, but it was only recently identified as a new species. Zoo Miami says that the arachnid builds silk-lined burrows that are difficult to find, hence why it has gone unnoticed for so long. Spider can live in the same burrow for decades, building a so-called trap door over the top used to ambush its prey. Its bite is reportedly as painful as a bee sting. You know, that's like, it's not good, but at least it doesn't have like that uh, necrotizing poison that like the brown recluse spiders do, like those things. Oh my God, uh, you get bitten by those things. It's just absolutely bonkers, out of control. Um <clears throat> Oh, they were at the castle? Boston Actress, thank you so much. Boston Actress coming in, giving a gift to Rough Ones TV, Loopy Lee, Vic Oreno, and the Nanotech. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Boston Actress. Thank you. Thank you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Um, it really mean really means a lot to me. Um, you know, I I try to absolutely be positive and, uh, and have a lot of fun. Um, so... You know, I can't thank you all enough uh, for stopping by and saying hello. Um, <clears throat> oh, you shot a midi uh, music video to Castle? Oh, cicadas. I mean, cicadas aren't just devastating. You know, they're not like, they're not as bad as uh, like a locust, like a locust infestation. Um, but man, that stuff like, I mean, you got to figure, how bonkers is that? They had guys with machine guns trying to shoot these birds, and then they got out there and found out, these birds are super mobile and kind of smart and they run away from us and we can't kill them <laughs> and they're continuing to destroy our crops. Hey, oh, fuck it. We're out of here. Sorry guys. Dude, deal with that yourself. <laughs> uh, Dr. Perry falls. Um, did you finish your music video? Yeah, I mean, you can't use flamethrowers if they're around fields of wheat. You know, it would have been different. You know, that's like, uh, you know, people talk about, oh, well, they could just use, like, yeah, but you can't use, you can't use, uh, you can't use weapons that destroy terrain and infrastructure if you want to preserve the terrain and the infrastructure. You know, something like 
flamethrowers or bombs don't work if you're trying to save the stuff. Like, otherwise, you may as well just let the emus eat it if you're going to blow it all up or burn it. Uh, nice, man. Finish that video. Badass. Uh, is that going to be released online anywhere where we can see it? And if so, could you give me a link so that I can uh, show that to the rest of the viewers here at some point? Obviously, if, you know, if you got to work through all the details, I don't mean to put you on the spot. But uh, if you can, you ever want to talk about it, you know, you can uh, send that on uh, and, and we'll, uh, we'll share that. Uh, someone needs to teach you how you can gift to the regulars. You're still trying to figure it out. So if you ever want to gift a sub to a specific person, if they are not already a subscriber, you click on their name. For example, if I click on Black Cat's name, you see her. Actually, I'll just show you what that look. Well, I'm not going to show you what that looks like because it's my moderation thing. But if you pull it up, there's a little... There's a little, uh, uh, a little window that comes up, and you can gift a sub right to there. That way, then you can click on it and pick it specifically. Uh, I know. You know what? Dr. Perry Falls had the music video here ready. Uh, Dr. Perry Falls, does that contain any music that would get me a copyright strike? I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to infringe on anyone's uh, copyrights. Um, by playing that. <laughs> but I'll I'll post it here in the... Oh, okay. It's 100% all your music written and recorded by you. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's play it. I'm going to mute my microphone and turn that up so that hopefully the folks that are listening to this as a podcast can hear it. So this will be a little bit of a music video sort of fun debut here from Dr. Perry Falls. So I'm going to mute my microphone. Let's check this out. Lost in a hate. 
Sub... Uh, wait a minute. How do I say that guy's name? Sub... Sublegalculum. Sublegalculum? Thanks so much for the follow. Dr. Perry Falls, that was fantastic, man. Really, really well done. Cosplay was on point. Great visuals. Great music. Really, really impressed. Um, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, my, my pleasure for, uh, for being able to show that to the viewers here. That was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Um, as for the people that were commenting there uh, about you shooting that on your phone... You know, I, we were recently shooting a movie this last summer and, uh, you know, had the big camera and all this stuff. And I was like, I gotta be honest with you. He was talking to my friend. So I gotta be honest with you. I feel like you could do all this with the phone and you'd have far less shit to fuck around with. Like, and so anyway, as a demo, I demonstrated some of the video effects and the footage that you can capture using a phone. And I think she was a little bit crestfallen because here's a camera that she probably paid, I don't know, several thousand dollars for when she first bought it. And now a $1,100 phone has everything that you can do and more. Um, yeah, yeah, you're saying you're editing it on your phone too. The, the software for movie editing and stuff on there too is bonkers. Uh, so really good job on that. Dr. Perry falls everyone. Um, the tall, well, I'm sorry. I gotta read the, t I gotta read the title for this correctly. I want to fuck that up. Uh, that was a video debut. Lady Dimitrescu, the tall lady. Uh, the link there, once again, for anyone who wants to watch that, paste that in the chat. That will also be in the show notes on the podcast episode. Um, yeah, that's in the new Resident Evil game coming out this week. Man, you you need to hit that on Twitter. You need to hit uh, you need to hit some of the gaming folks out there. Uh, I gotta I gotta try and pimp that around a little bit spectacular job, sir. Hats off to you. Really, really fucking well done. Um, so man, that was great. Absolutely great. So what a great end, uh, in that regard to, to a fun episode. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the bizarre story of the emu war. <laughs> uh, funny that we had Mr. Insolent Fool who stopped by afterwards Insolent, that wasn't you and I that was talking about that, were there? I think maybe it was Ace Quinn where we were talking about the emu war. There was somebody in chat that we were talking about it. And I was like, I totally forgot about this. I need to read this on one of the Nightcap episodes. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, okay. That was yesterday then uh, that we were talking about it. Um, so yeah, emus. Don't mess with the emus. Uh, emus and ruse were like, uh, you know, if the emus and the ruse banded together, you guys would be in big trouble down there. Um, you'd have to call for the legendary hero, Paul Hogan, to make his return. And <laughs> Yeah, who would win, an emu or a roo? <laughs> and you were saying the roo because the roo can use, he can post on his tail and do his like little jump kick move or punch you in the face. Um... You know, that would be, everybody always talks about like, what superhero would win? And who, like, who fucking cares? I want to know who would win. The emus or the ruse? Like, if it came down to it and there was like a gang battle, the emus versus the ruse. <laughs> Pretty bonkers. Now, scarier question is who would win? A cassowary or a crocodile? Uh... 
Yeah, that's uh, cassowaries are mean. I feel like I feel like uh, I feel like the crocodile maybe, but I I think maybe it would depend on the environment. You know, I feel like it would depend on the environment. You know, like. If a, if a cassowary was like, hmm, I'm going to take a drink of this delicious, muddy yuck water. And then the crocodile jumps up and bites it in the face and drags it into the water. That could be it. Same token, if the croc was like, hey, here's this nice rock. I'm going to like lay out over here and I'm just chilling. And the cassowary is like, ha ha, motherfucker, and pounces on its back and like beaks it in the back of its neck and like just shreds the shit out of it. Then maybe cassowary... You know, they, they, they had that show that was on what? what was that Spike TV? Ultimate Warrior or something? That show was fucking dog shit. But man, if they had sh if they had shown shit like that, like Crocodile uh, crocodile versus Cassowary, Rue versus Emu, that would have been a way better show. And that stupid guy with this dumb computer program could have programmed that in there. I would have liked to have seen that. It would have been way better than the shit that they showed. That's, man, that's, uh, that's, that's some heavy topics right there. Um, so yeah, a lot, lot of fun. Uh, and as always, thank you, Vita Coco, for the, uh, giant delicious case, case of the coconut water. Really, I really do feel like, you know, I have, was having some, was having some, uh, cramps from the workouts earlier in my muscles. And I feel like, uh, I feel like this has done me right. I love it. Stuff is great. Tomorrow we're going to try some, uh, ice cube uh, coconut water rum drinks, uh, and see how those pan out, but that's going to do it. Wow. At least for me, uh, I know we had some people in chat who didn't necessarily like today's content and that's okay. You're welcome to that opinion. But I thought this was a lot of fun between the emu or the coconut. Uh, we had, let's see, Jaffa cakes, uh, Lewis gun talk, emus versus ruse, cassowaries, and the Excellent Lady Dimitrescu video by Dr. Perry Falls. Absolutely, everybody check that out and uh, send that to Ron. If you know anyone who's into gaming, who's excited for the new Resident Evil movie, send that around. I think that was super cool. Um, just love it. And, and thank you so much, as always, everybody, for stopping by. You really make this show a lot of fun. And if there's anything you'd like to, to share or talk about, you know, you can always hit me up. A um, lot of fun. The Ultimate Warrior Show started strong each episode by introducing all the equipment backgrounds and then just fling stuff at the wall for the fight. I know. They, they got all detailed and it was like the most... I'm like, huh? So, uh, as we say... Oh, no, wait a minute. I can't quite end yet. I can't end yet. I'd be pulling a nightcap foul. I'll get a little bit left. What should we talk about while I finish the rest of this? Mmm... I think that uh, one other cookies. Black Cat, you want me to talk about cookies? I don't have any cookies though. I do have the rest of these Jaffa cakes. Um, we watched a clip of Insolent Fool eating Vegemite. I want some Vegemite. Has anyone else had any Vegemite? I really want Vegemite. I feel like that would be salty and malty and right up my alley. Can you get, I, I, get, I need to go to like an import store where they have like food, like 
Bill's barfing. Dr. Perry Falls says good in small doses. See, I feel like if I took a little bit and put it, you know, you were eating it on cucumbers. I feel like on a cucumber, it'd be good. But like eating a spoonful, <laughs> barf. I mean, he just ate a whole spoonful of it. That was terrible. You, uh, you're a brave fella. You got a headache afterwards from salt overload? What you should have done is you should have washed it down with a nice can of Clamato. Clamato. Oh, I can get it on Amazon? That's it. I'm ordering some right when I get upstairs. It's gonna, I gotta have, I gotta try it now. Any, Krista, thank you so much. Amazing stream as always. Never know to expect such great people. You know, I try to keep this interesting. Some days we have crazy stuff that we read out with a little more activity. Some days we just shoot the shit. But as always, the people that truly make the show the most fun are you all in the chat. So, uh, I know I say it a lot, but sincerely, thank you so much always for stopping by. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Black Cat's Poppy. Vegemite is, um, uh, it's like a, it's like yeast, right? Like, uh, let's do, you know, while I'm finishing my, tell you what, while I'm finishing the rest of my drink, let's just go back, do some more investigation. So Vegemite. It's a thick, dark brown Australian food spread made from leftover brewer's yeast extract with various vegetable and spice additives. Mmm, developed in 1922. It's quite an Australian bag of cheese group. Four... What? $460 million? Holy shit. Spread for sandwiches, toast, crumpets, and cracker biscuits, as well as a filling for pastries, Vegemite is similar to British Marmite, New Zealand Marmite, Australian Promite, Mighty Mite, Aussie Mite, Osmite, German Vitamar, and Swiss Cenovus. I keep, I read that and I thought of Cenobites, like from Hellraiser. Oh, dude, but look at that label! Man, I want that! Mmm, it's rich in vitamin B1. Spread on a piece of toast. We have some official Australian instructions on how to eat this. When you have Vegemite, butter the toast first, then just a scrape of it. Mmm. Yeah, the leftovers from uh, beer brewing. Brewer's yeast on popcorn? What? The chatterer approves. Yeah, I feel like this looks like the right spread. Like, you don't want to glob it on there, right? I love the, I love the container. It looks so very, like, 70s. I don't give a fuck. It's just bald. Vegemite! Or, as they say in some made-up country, Vegemite! I don't know who says that. Nobody says that. What is this? Hmm. Can I, let's see, I'm, okay, somebody said, I want to look this up, Amazon, I want to go to Amazon, how much is, let's see, can I get, can I get Vegemite on Amazon? <gasps> I can get Vegemite on it, oh my god, oh, Vegemite squeezy, why does that seem like that would come out in the consistency of, like, goose diarrhea? The... <laughs> Hey, you're like 10 bucks. Dude, I'm in. Oh, you get like a bucket? Look at that. 
man, that's like a that's a big boy. Fifty dollars. Oh, happy little Vegemite, happy little happy little portions. You get a happy little portion of Vegemite. Going sleepies. And then there's Wiley Wallaby, soft and chewy huckle huckleberry. If you're eating this, fucking what I need is I need I am gonna try it on air. I absolutely it's a reference to jar you had was twice that size. Oh my god. I absolutely will try it on air. I mean, if I'm gonna eat clam ju clam juice and tomato, what's the difference between Vegemite and Marmite? I don't know. What is Marmite? Isn't it I think it might be very close to the same thing. It's very it's very close to the same. It's probably just a difference in whatever spice and stuff they add to it. Um, did someone say clams? Yeah, clams. Clamato. Drinking clamato. Has any... Dr. Perry Falls and or Insolent Fool. Have you guys had clamato? Such as its prominence in British popular culture, the product's name is often used as a metaphor for something that is an acquired taste that tends to polarize opinion. How would you use that in a sentence? Boy, that's a real Marmite. Like, that seems weird. The... Maybe I have to get both. Can I get both? I'm gonna try and get both. I'll eat both. I don't even care. And then we'll have... And then... Oh! Oh, wait a minute. If I get both, then what we're gonna have is we're gonna have... We're gonna have the UK versus Australia. Clamato is not just tomato juice. Clamato is clam juice mixed with tomato juice and spice. Yes, it's even worse than that. <laughs> you have and you gagged. It's pretty disgusting. Uh, but I did a round two with that and fresh Clamato with a, be with a better fresh beer. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh-oh. Oh, if you're allergic to shellfish, stay away from the Kamado. That's no good. Yikes. Yikes. All right. Uh, that's going to do it, then. With the last swallow. As we say at the end of all these particular episodes, stay safe, keep the faith, and all that good shit. Thank you so much for stopping by. Podcast listeners, that's going to be the end of the episode. What I'm going to do now as I head off to do the rating is do a little bit of night-night talk. So, podcast listeners, you will get a special full-blown guided relaxation episode later. So, podcast folks, take care and thank you so much. <laughs>